Welcome back. I think that's me. Yeah. Let's just let's just go with it. Why not? Uh, I think so. Yeah, yeah, I think so too. Um, so we were talking a little bit, you know, during the break that there is a balance to be had between realism and pessimism. There is a, a recognition that you can be realistic without being pessimistic. And you have to understand that in messaging and media and in motivation and in activism, um, doom, gloom, fear, and pessimism are great motivators, right alongside anger. They work. Yeah. They have worked. Forgetting uh, people out on the streets. Fear. Right. Forgetting people out on the streets, making voluminous, like, voluminous noise about a particular issue. Right? That's, that's what it's good for. The problem is it's not necessarily good for the action and solutions that solve the problem itself. Because a lot of times politicians will have to come up with something relatively quickly to quell the unrest around a particular issue that in their rush to do it may not actually be a good solution or maybe just spackle temporarily because people are clamoring, they're out in the streets, they want solutions now. Well, the, solu- the reality is you may not have a solution right now. And the one you might have might be as dumb as nuke a hurricane. That's doing something, right? There's a hurricane headed for the coast, <laughs> right? That's, that qualifies. That's one of, uh, you know, singularly that and the, you know, light bulb up your rectum, uh, bleach down your throat solutions that he would come up with. Those are the, and that's, these are the kind of solutions that give you like, that give you ivermectin freakouts, right? It's the same thing. Yeah. It is the situation. I, I, uh, there's a giant monstrous fear I have. There's no direct solution or I don't, I'm impatient about that possible solution. And I am, it is, I am fertile ground to be seeded with panic and directed by whomever might offer me a solution. And that very solution um, may have a hint of promise that later on needs to be worked out. Maybe there's an element of this that can be good, but the rest of it, what it's coded in, will destroy me or destroy the environment or destroy the situation. Um, or it may f- just be false hope. And, and that's demoralizing in the future. And so when it comes to those kind of things, um, I, I have always been a practicalist, a realist in those regards. And I feel as, you know, in the activist world and in the, you know, in the, in the moral progress, in the world that leans towards moral progress, that you stack your wins as best you can and you constantly remind people of the wins. You have to do this. Otherwise, it's easy to forget. It's easy to remember the, you know, that the bomb cyclone hit the West Coast and it was very stormy. And you go, well, it actually you know, almost ended the drought in several areas. And it mitigated wildfires probably for the next two years. And it might affect snowfall in a good way over that. But what you heard was bomb cyclone. And that means more intense precipitation, mm. and that's directly proof of we're gonna the, the world is warming and therefore dead. And that's the problem with it. That's the issue that I have most with the gloom and doom of it. So my, you know, my as it's quote Iron Man. So what I'm saying, if I'm saying anything, um, 
is that you need we need to stop relying on the youth movement for these kind of things and also we need to remind the youth movement that progress is being made and that a lot of the actual on the ground progress that will be made replacing petrochemicals and plastics replacing um, you know rare earth minerals and metals in uh, in batteries and the like that is only created through an act of optimism it is people going to university getting an engineering or science degree and saying that is what I want to focus on I will be part of the team that leads us one step closer to thorium based micronuclear with non-weaponizable nuclear waste that you can't turn into a bomb and is easily stored uh, beneath the facility for tens of thousands of years and, and, and a smart grid that carries it from places so you don't have to put it in places that have shifting tectonic plates or volcanoes. That's what you do. And there's a lot of work that needs to be done in that area. A lot of infrastructure, for example, which brings us back to the infrastructure bill. Um, an enormous hands-down win for the Biden administration, uh, Democrats across the board, and everybody will find something to celebrate in this. And with and all of the all the naysaying you've been hearing since we got out of Afghanistan. Did I remind did I, did I remind everybody today? Did I forget to remind everybody that we're out of Afghanistan? We're not in Afghanistan anymore. Did we know that? <laughs> by the way, we're not in Afghanistan. And by the way, uh, Russia and China are not rushing in to fill the gap like everyone is saying. They're actually dealing with a lot of new problems because we're not there as the buffer from those problems so that how China treats the Uyghurs or how Russia treats the Chechens or the Uzbekis um, and the blowback from that from ISIS-K or the Taliban and stuff, we were always there taking the punch. We are no longer there. That is their struggle now. They, and the obvious, the obvious solution is don't be awful. But uh, it doesn't seem like they're going to want to be doing that anytime soon. Um, this is um, a, the, the, the changes that will come from this infrastructure bill on a material front, both in you know, money in people's pockets, jobs, uh, a, a stronger and safer infrastructure, fewer deaths, fewer car accidents because there are fewer soft shoulders and bad bridges and, and, and innumerable. I mean, the lives saved just by maintenance is one of the things we don't respect so often in our lives. You know, the little strange things and you're like, why are those, why are the lines drawn uniformly everywhere? Well, that's because they've done a lot of crash tests and they know what kind of mitigation people need to do. And within the wiggle of life, you can keep the deaths down by 8% by doing these little things. Those are, those are scientists with a sense of optimism, engineers, um, you know, city planners, philosophers, people who believe in like, well, humanity's going to act in a certain way at a certain speed and a certain, they're going to want a certain amount of freedom, but they're also going to cause a certain amount of damage. How do we, what's the sweet spot where we can save as many lives as possible? And the numbers of lives saved in that process is innumerable. And the offspring of those people is innumerable. And, and the respect for that has to stand. And so like, I, 
this is how nerdy I get about something like an infrastructure bill. But this is honest to God, you know, it, this is where the old rubber hits the road analogy is actually a material one. We're actually, it's not even an analogy. It's actually. It'll be rubber. It, yes, rubber is definitely hitting the road in this regard. And thank you, Joy, um, uh, Joie Noël, for the uh, super chat. But I said, and you'll recall, as your buddy, who's always here, um, I told you that the recon bill was never gonna pass the 3.5, was gonna be worked down no matter what. That the, uh, the 1.5 bill was going to pass, and by hook or by crook, it was gonna get through. And it was just a matter of time. And that getting it passed earlier or later would not affect whether or not the 3.5 passed wholly or not. It was always going to get whittled down. It was always going to get whittled down. If it ever gets the votes, and you, if you didn't have the votes at all, what is the point in holding up the other one? If you have no leverage, mm -hmm. then you have no leverage. It's no one's fault except Kristen Sinema's. Um, but, and all the Republicans in the Senate, all of them, every single one who is a Washington yeah. elite who is ignoring the needs of their constituents. This bill, the infrastructure bill, I said it would pass. I said it would pass it at the number it passed at. I also said that the 3.5 wouldn't pass. And, it, and if it ends up passing, it will be 1.5 to 1.7 and probably closer to 1.2 at this point because of the loss in Virginia. So the weight and the hostage taking ended up lowering the ultimate payout on the bill if they'd have done it sooner. If they'd have come to the table and negotiated down to 1.5 from the 3.5, and seeded the programs and know that people will want some of these things and they will continue to get funded. They, a lot of these things that are in the reconciliation bill, the, the Build Back Better plan, would, if you got them in place for two, three years, people would recognize the value of them. Thank you, Tobias. Thank you so much. Um, and the, the, the cries of establishment and corporate and centrist and all that kind of stuff falls by the wayside when, when in reality I'm an optimistic realist. I want more, I know what's possible, and I want the best we can get at all times. And this goes to the vote we just had. As an adult human being who cares about their fellow adult human beings, if you are ever presented with a choice that you perceive to be the lesser of two evils, choose less evil. All right, we got to take a break. We'll be back right after this. Um, it, it's the Housebox Radio Program, Mega Worldwide. All right, I think we're back. I think we're back. Yeah. Um, yes, I insist yeah. that we are. Um, so there has a, um, the, you know, and, and there'll be some, you know, vacillation back and forth about uh, the, um, the, the votes that the squad made being, you know, votes of integrity and votes of protest and that kind of stuff. Um, I'm, I'm fine with people believing that. <laughs> it just does not materially change the reality that they ultimately voted against a bill that they're for because another bill that they're for isn't going to get voted on because it doesn't have the votes and hasn't even been through the committee process yet. 
they want a bill passed before it goes through committee, before they'll pass a bill in the, that they've already voted for. It's absurd. And it will always write out like that. Like people will, you know, there'll be a lot of people who could, you know, will be patting themselves on the back because they stood their ground and changed nothing. And ultimately voted against something that they are allegedly for. And, um, yeah. and Biden did want them both passed at the same time. But be- that's not going to happen. He's, uh, he's also, I think, a realist, like many of the folks that are listening to the sound of my voice right now, in their own lives, anyways. So the question is, if you know you never will get Kristen Sinema's vote on $3.5 trillion or even $1.7 trillion, and you're still negotiating with Joe Manchin about it, and there's a question yeah. as to whether he would do it, right? I'm, a, I'm even operating on the assumption that he might eventually get to voting for it. When? Next year? Before or after 2022? The year after that? Yeah. That's how we got Infrastructure Week. And if you're holding up a bill you know you have the votes for, for a bill you do not know you have the votes for, is that principled? How can it be? You know what I mean? It's if, if you are holding the possible hostage to the impossible, then then is it then is it really about getting the you know what you want in the impossible thing done, or just proving that the other thing is impossible, showing the world that these people are not good enough to do the impossible, right? When we full on know that. Pretty much. It's far from altruistic. Yes, it, right. It's a, yes, it is not. It is not solution oriented. And again, it leads into that catastrophizing idea, because the narrative um, from that will be that you can't count on Democrats right now. That you'll always be stabbed in the back by the you know by Democrats and these things. When in, re- in reality, what happened just now, last night, was the biggest infrastructure investment in the country's you know in the last thirty years happened and also like i said created an infrastructure bank which creates the seed of funding for decades to come beyond the initial one and and that's why it feels like to you know old fashioned politics I mean, there are tons of Republicans who are not voting for things they actually know their constituents want. Their own Republican voters want. They're not voting for it. Why? Politics. To show their fealty to Donald Trump. To, you know, make sure they're not primaried. To show that their, their constituents that sent them there basically to be a monkey wrench in Washington... I mean, honestly, what was Rand Paul elected to do except throw, just throw sand in the gears? Right? That's all he's there for. He's not there to actually come up with solutions or move things forward. He's, he's a small government conservative no. who is there to, you know, create the government that can be drowned in a bathtub by whatever strong-arm dictator comes along, apparently. How is it different? How is it different? How is, how is the squad's vote against a bill they like any different than the Republicans in the Senate that didn't vote for the 
infrastructure bill, the bipartisan infrastructure bill, that absolutely is supported by their constituents. Well, I, Rip Krista? Who's Krista? I'm sorry. I, uh, yeah. Which Krista, <laughs> I should say. Cinema wants a coal yacht too. Is there any coal in Arizona? No, there's not. We did get 13 Republicans, so there's that. Well, yeah, that's, that's because it's more popular even than that. It's good for the whole country. And they also recognize that those 13 Republicans are in vacillating districts. Those 13 should give you an indication of seats that could be taken by, and here it comes, moderate Democrats in the future that can be Joe Manchined into existence where you get 80% of what you want instead of none. And they know this. So this, there is no difference, no material difference between the Republicans that didn't vote for this and the squad not voting for this. Because it's it's, they are for the same reasons. Both groups know that their constituents want the bill. But both groups have to please their direct primary level constituency for fear of not delivering right. for them because if that activist class on either side gets mad at, them, mad at them, they won't show up next time and they won't get elected. That's it. Because there is no principled reason to vote against it. Because if there was a re- principled reason to vote against it, they wouldn't have voted for it before it went to the Senate, where there was no real material changes other than it being brought down a little. And I said this all along, this is how it was going to play out. Um, and I also believe that there was, had that tactic not been the primary use of their legislate their their leverage, and this had passed in August, for example, the recon bill would have had a greater chance of passing entirely, um, well, larger anyways, never the 3.5, never, it was never yeah. going to be that. It was never going to be that. I can't stress that enough. It was never going to pass because it had to go to the Senate. It was never going to get through the Senate, just was not, and it wouldn't have gone back through the House because it overspends and didn't explain. It hadn't gone through committee. It hadn't been... Uh, you know, the, the Congressional Budget Office hadn't done a rating of it. They still are working on that. It still hasn't been done. I believe the math works, but that doesn't mean it does. It just seems good on paper. A lot of things seem like that. So over the next, um, you know, few weeks, what you'll see is either a movement to get that passed, you know, and I think Pelosi in good faith will continue to push for that. And like I said, it will end up being smaller, but it will seed programs that will be refunded and funded again over the years as they become popular and functional so that you're not committing too much tax dollars to something that may in three years actually not be the best expenditure. That's why you check in. That's why why the infrastructure bill and the reconciliation bill both have committees and funding for committees attached to them. That's one of the reasons why a lot of these bills are so expensive is because they have study groups and accountants and accounting firms and hiring outside groups to look at them and see if they're actually doing with the tax dollars what they want. There are studies, for example, that pre-K, giving kids free pre-K, the value of that fades after third grade. 
that without further educational funding in other areas, that no matter what you do, giving that won't guarantee that kids in poor areas will do it. If the, if the school sucks, the school sucks. And if they're not, if their parents aren't engaged, if the parents aren't working with the kids, having that year of pre-K evens out the, uh, the over-under on it. I think that's a short-sighted study. I don't buy it. I think it's done based on lower funding around education in those certain areas to, and by people who don't necessarily want more public education. So therefore, piloting universal pre-K, for example, for three to five years, and then be, and, and as we get test numbers back as kids get into fifth grade and eighth grade, and we start seeing the benefits of it across the board in well-educated populace, it will answer those concerns. But that mitigatory use of the funding, you know, is part of that process. And I want these things. I want environmental change. I want us to do um, carbon recapture. I want, a, I want more electric cars. I want electric drones that we can fly in, for crying out loud. I want a jetpack. I get it. But I don't want it to use fossil fuels immediately. <laughs> We're going to use, like, butane and just light it on my back. Yeah, it's just some weird a two-cycle engine. Yeah. Um, I want all those things. But I want us to start walking down a long road right now. I don't want to scream for an Uber that's never coming. If it's a long march ahead of us, we get up every day and we put one foot in front of the other. And every time we can make a significant leap forward, like happened with the infrastructure bill, you take it and you never let it pass. Ever. We got, we're at the end of the show. We, we managed to squeak out a show today with all of our other concerns. And I appreciate you guys soldiering through it with me. Johnny Million, I love you. And, uh, and we, will, we will have a more... I will, I will be you know, back on, on home soil for next week's uh, weekend show and we will uh, I think reach a reach a, like I'll, I'm not going to count my chickens before they're hatched the gremlins could be everywhere no, I'm just yeah, saying yeah, but I want people to remember that home. and I also want here's, here's my assignment for everybody as you go out over the week start looking for good environmental news stories start looking for the because they're happening all around you people care and large organizations care, and NGOs care, and governments care, and, and citizens care all over this country. They really, really do. And, I, and if you just look for it, you will find it. And then you can express that to these kids who are climate activists to keep passionate about it, keep working towards it, keep trying to find those solutions. But don't get discouraged. Don't get brokenhearted. And don't let us not reminding you that good stuff is happening or letting the good the perfect be the enemy of the good make you think the world is ending thanks guys bye